0: Super fun, super fun! Merry Christmas, everybody! Welcome to Christmas at Generations, and uh, we do want to welcome all the kids who are in here and families, people visiting. Uh, but is our is this is our tradition? Uh, we open the Word of God and we say, "Man, God, what, what what is it that you have for us on this Christmas Eve?" And Luke recorded in a ton of detail things that. He would want us to know. As he goes against eyewitness ideas of what's going on on this night. You know, the the virgin birth story is actually without precedent in either Jewish or other pagan literature before the time of Christ. I would say that uh, this this man of antiquity, Jesus Christ, who claims to be the Son of God, has the most documented and foretold, detailed birth origin account of any person who's ever lived to his time the first Christmas as we celebrate it now would be around the year 325 when they would get together and start to say this is the most important event that has ever happened the first nativity scene 1223 AD Francis of Assisi he did it with real life animals and actors in a stable it's where some of these things come from one of the things I found most interesting and kind of digging through over the last couple of weeks to look back to the very first Christmas is a little bit of research done by Eric Kreps from University of Michigan's Institute for Social Research. Eric and his team went, went and did a, they took a lot of scientific disciplines and said, here's what we believe. We believe that there have been approximately 105 billion people who have ever lived, kind of thought about that number. I'm like, okay, I can, I can digest that. That seems to be pretty close to accurate. Uh, but this number is what really blew me away. He said, as we look at the timeline of humanity, we believe that only 2% of all of the world's population had lived by the time of Christ's birth. So of all the people who had ever lived to this point in history, when Jesus Christ is ushered into the world and leaves heaven and becomes fully man and fully God at the same time and lives among us. At that point in time, only 2% of the world's total population to now had lived. Clearly, we have a God who is quick in coming to us. A God who is quick to say, I want to be reconciled with my people. I want to take you to a scripture. Maybe you've heard, you're like, oh, this. it's a Christmas sermon. I know where they're going to go. They're going to go to Luke chapter 2. You're so right because it's Christmas. But there's this moment in Luke chapter 2 that comes a little bit after some of the things we've already sung about and some of the verses we've already read on the screens today. Luke chapter 2 verse 22 enters a a, a very specific moment and the day of Jesus as a child. Let me just read the text to you. When the time came for the purification rites required by the law of Moses, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord, as, as it is written in the law of the Lord. Every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord. A pair of doves... Or two young pigeons. So, Jesus, as we've sang today, was born in the little town of Bethlehem, small little town, David's town. It's not the big city of Jerusalem. And then Jesus has been raised in Nazareth. This very well might have been the first time ever in the life of Jesus that he was brought into the city of Jerusalem. An incredible moment. Well, we enter, a, a character enters the scene here in verse 25 of Luke chapter 2. There was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon, who was righteous, devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. The Spirit of the living God comes to this Older man named Simeon who lives in the city of Jerusalem and very clearly tells Simeon, "Hey, before you die, you will see my promise of love, joy, peace, hope. You will see the Anointed One with your own eyes, your own hands. I'm going to give you this gift of knowing in the flesh, my son." Incredible moment. I was reading recently a Wall Street Journal article by a man named David Desteno. Now he is. A professor at Northeastern University, and he's got a, a great podcast. It's called How God Works The Science Behind Spirituality. And he, he wrote something that was a little bit of an astonishing fact to He said, You know, 45% of all Americans plan on attending a Christmas Eve service, a, a service around Christmas time. 45% of all Americans, As a matter of fact, he starts his article by saying, I'm looking forward to going to church. He goes on to explain in this article how Christmas time can be a spiritual experience, but not institutionally or religiously attached in any way. He describes I just want to be around maybe some candles, which we're about to light candles. I want to see all the kids dressed up and see them with their, their parents. And I, I, I want to, Maybe I want to hear something in Latin or I want, I want to get around something that feels like it's old and I want some liturgy and I, I just want to feel some Christmas magic. Well, in this moment, in this man's life, who received a promise from the Holy Spirit, it says in verse 27 that he was moved by the Spirit. He went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God. Simeon is ushered. Simeon is moved. See, I I would say this to you today from this text right here in Luke's account, that the Spirit of God moves you to Jesus. The first thing that we see the Spirit of God really doing in Luke's account of Jesus entering the world is we see the Spirit of God moves people. Where does the Spirit of God move people? He moves people to Jesus. Where will the Spirit of God move you? The Spirit of God will always move you towards Jesus. That's what the Spirit of God does. I was in Israel in 2019 and our group was eating and uh, I I had quickly gotten something to eat and there was a, a market and we were about I would say 250 yards from the Temple Mount. I want to show you a video of just a, a moment on, on, on a street. We're probably three blocks away from the Via della Rosa, right here on this video. And I caught I captured a man because I was thinking about this story. I was thinking about Luke chapter two. I was thinking about Simeon, this old guy who lived in the ancient city of Jerusalem. And in the ancient city of Jerusalem, the Spirit of God comes upon him and says, I promise you this, you will not die until you see the anointed one. And so, as I was, our, our whole group was eating, and I was out walking on a street, and I was thinking, you know, the temple's just over there where the temple would have stood. And this guy probably, I mean, he had to have lived within. You know, not more than half a mile, it probably within a stone's throw of where I was standing on this day. And there's this, there's this man sitting there in, in, the, in the street, right in Jerusalem. I'm in, I'm in the old quarter. I'm in the, the, the Jewish quarter in Jerusalem. And I'm thinking about this man named Simeon, and the Spirit of God moves him to the Temple Mount. Now, this is what the Temple Mount would have looked like, probably on the day that Jesus was brought. That outer court... Mary was there, so they weren't on the inner court, and Simeon was there to engage them. And so right there, right in that moment, this is where that story actually happened. You can go and stand there today. The temple's not there anymore, but you can stand right there on the mountain where this guy comes and walks up to a family that's just doing their normal thing, and he picks up their kid, creepy... Creepy, right? Like some old guy coming and picking your kid up and talking to your kid, but that happens. And you know, I think in this moment, I get what was written by this man in the Wall Street Journal just this week. I get what we want in a service like this. I get what we want in a moment like this on Christmas Eve. We want the mystical, we want the tradition, We want the community kids. We want the wonder, the allure. We want something new that we haven't felt before. We want an experience, something that's more than just cerebral. We want we want it to be mixed with emotions, right? We want it to maybe even lead to like a physical manifestation. We want the hair on the back of our necks to stand up. We want goosebumps. We want the thrill of a ride. We want an amusement. We want to look at someone and say, "Did you feel that?" We want it to be sacred. We want it to feel kind of close to a holy moment that we can say, we we know what a holy, holy moment's like, but we want to be able to describe that holy moment in our own way, with our own terms, our own conditions. We want it to be very powerful. We want to be able to tell people that we know what a powerful spiritual moment is like, but the word divine makes it sound like we're somehow trapped or beholden to it in a way that makes us feel uncomfortable. We try to Desperately describe something that's elusive. As I read this article in the Wall Street Journal, I probably read this article three or four times. And I'm seeing a very gifted writer, a very smart person, describe the state of the culture that we live in, the culture that you're raising your kids in, the culture maybe that you're now seeing your grandkids born into. We're desperately trying to describe something that we want to get close to, but not too close to. It's elusive. It's elusive. We want to interpret it, but only by us. It's personal. We want it to be somewhat self-transcended. We want to be fully present and more aware. We want to be close to the origin of the universe and at peace with the origin of the universe. Here's a Christmas message from Luke chapter 2. If you peel back the reality and look into the spirit realm, there's a spirit of the living God, and the spirit of the living God will only ever lead you to the person of Jesus our attempt to separate a feeling of spiritual movement away from the historical Jesus is impossible if you feel anything else and it's not leading you to the person of Jesus Christ then it is of the kingdom of evil cuz that's the only thing the spirit of god does he has something to say it ends like this luke chapter 9 verse or luke chapter 2 verse 29 he has something to say when he, he just picks their kid up. He says, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss, he, I can die now is what he's saying actually, you can dismiss your servant, Dulos. this servant word, uh, it, it really means my whole life is laid out to do what you want. He's holding a child and saying, I am your servant, child, and I can die now in peace. Verse 30, my eyes have seen your salvation. You have prepared it in the light, the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and glory to your people Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. That word marveled, it's maybe if If you've got the NIV in front of you or another translation on your phone, uh, you know another word there is amazed. It's plural. That word amazed, it's uh, it's a plural usage. They're not amazed that this old guy came and grabbed their kid from the stroller, whatever they had, right? The donkey seat. They come and just get the kid, you know, and they're like, hey, I'm going to say some things to your kid. They're amazed at everything that's been happening in their life. They're amazed that angels have shown up and told them that they will be married and a child will be given to them. They're amazed that uh, an uncle saw the Spirit of God in his synagogue and was made mute and then told he would have a son named John that would be the forerunner. They're, they're amazed that shepherds would come and say that they saw the pronunciation of their son and all of heaven opened up. They're amazed that maybe days from now or maybe days just before this, right, that, that kings would come and bring gifts to their son. They're amazed at what's happening, but probably more than anything, in this moment, as they're standing on the Temple Mount that's made only for Jews, if you're not a Jew, you cannot go any further into that compound. That this old man holds this kid up and says, you will be light for the whole world. It says here that they're amazed at these things. See, Jesus, if you need to hear anything on Christmas Eve, 2023, Jesus has always been for you. That's who he is. Jesus has been for you. As the Holy Spirit comes on Simeon, and the Holy Spirit says, you're going to see this child before you die, Simeon. Simeon's got one thing to say from Luke chapter 2. Thousands of years into the future, when most of humanity will be born, it's for you. It's accessible. He had one other thing to say. And maybe it's the most beautiful thing that is said here in this text. Verse 34, Simeon blessed them. And he said to Mary, his mother, this child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. Well, what a weird encounter, right? Right? You're you're just bringing your baby to do the the year of first. This is is kind of the first year that our, our grandson understands how to open up presents, right? So his job is to pass out presents to everybody. It's like that, we're getting to that moment where it's the first. It's the first time he understands, you know, and he's wrapping stuff. And I, I know I like to kind of go through some of those first. And here's this mother and this father. And yeah, they got a strange kid. They know that, right? There's some strange things about how the kid came to be. They're both fully aware of that. I'm sure there's some people that doubt that. Some rumors in town about, yeah, right virgin birth. They're aware of the truth. They're used to unique and strange things, but for this man to come and pick their child up and say this word to Mary, this child will reveal hearts. Do you know what Jesus still does today? Jesus reveals your heart to you. Jesus comes to you and he says, can I, can I show you what your heart is? Can I show you what you love? Can I show you what you based your life on? Can I show you what you hope in? Can I show you what you're working hard for? Can I show you what matters most to you? Can I show you these things? But he also comes and says, Can I show you how beautiful I am? Can I show you how kind I am? Can I show you how tender I will be to you? Can I show you how forgiving I will be? Can I show you how I will serve you? Can I show you how I am the only hope that you have to build your life on? Jesus reveals hearts. You know, why candlelight? I, I, I don't know if lots of churches do candlelight anymore because, uh, well, folks, insurance companies. <laughs> <laughs> right? Just try explaining that one. We're going to get about 1,000 people in our room, and uh, everyone's going to light fire. It's going to be great. People love it. It's tradition. We do it every year. Do you give them to kids? For sure. Oh. Yeah, we don't even do big kid church that day. They all come into big people church and we give them fire too. It's great. Just one little candle, one little flame. The little light of one child was enough to light the world and it spread. You know, when you read Luke chapter two and you think back to Luke chapter one, there's, a, there's two verses in Luke chapter one that you absorb differently, like you hear them differently now in this moment, on Christmas Eve, and you're about to light a candle. Listen to this, this verse. It says, because of God's tender mercy, the dawn will break upon us from on high to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. Man, that feels differently on Christmas Eve and when you realize that one little candle, it'll spread not just across the room, it'll spread across humanity. Every person that's ever been born. See, Jesus is this. Jesus is the Son of God. And the Spirit moves you to Jesus. Jesus has always been for you. Jesus reveals your hearts. But more than anything, Jesus is the Son of God. When you look at all nine major religions of the world, Jesus Christ alone is the exception. He's the exception. He says so in his own words. He says, I'm the only way to heaven. So, he's not just like light. Jesus is light. You know, all other leaders of major religions go through a period of uncertainty, of searching for religious light. Jesus never did that. He went to the desert and just proclaimed who he was. All founders of non-Christian religions have inconsistencies in their personal character. At some point, they alter their own practical policies under the change of circumstances. Whenever it was needed in their context of life, They change their own moral code. They change their own religions. Jesus Christ alone is reported as having a consistent God consciousness. He is consistent in his character. He is consistent in his program that he is the only way to heaven. He's holy and sinless. He alone had a sacrificial death, giving up his life willingly to executioners. He performed miracles. When Muhammad was asked for miracles, he said the word that I've written is my miracle. Jesus performed miracles and spoke the word. He fulfilled prophecy from the location of his birth to the genealogy of his ancestry. He was perfect in humility. If if you go and read the gospels, you will see that Jesus Christ alone was perfect in the way he served the night of his death he washed his friend's feet. Jesus himself spoke prophecy. He foretold of the destruction of the temple. Jesus was born of a virgin. Jesus was fully God and fully human. The promise of his presence, Jesus promised to live among his followers. And right now he is seated at the right hand of the father. He defeated death and he lives forever. Jesus and his moral teachings are superior to any other religions. See, Hindus believe suffering people are reaping their karma and therefore should be left alone. You want to sign up for that? Muhammad insists on killing infidels. Jesus taught his followers to love their enemies and devote their lives to serving other people. We cannot come to a Christmas Eve service and not actually praise who he claimed to be and who he is and what he does. This is who he is. Do you know him for real? Do you know him? With Jesus, salvation is assured. Friends, unlike Hindus or New Agers or Buddhists, they enter an unknown and they hope that they've done enough. And at some point, all other religions, they're going to be placed on a scale of judgment. Salvation through Jesus Christ is this: it is assured. We take a candle. We look at this Advent season, hope, joy, peace, love. He ushered these things into existence and his one life shared hope for all humanity. So friends, On this Christmas Eve, 2023, as you think about your life and you think about who Jesus Christ claims to be, I invite you to think back to that silent night and light one candle from the Christ candle and may your life spread to a life that spreads to a life that spreads to a life. Would you stand and sing with me? Silent Oh